Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Why don't we all turn to Luke 7, 36 to 50. Thank you, XTV, for flashing that up on the screen as well. Um, so let's read this together. Okay. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, the Pharisee, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay them back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of these two will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown." But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests that are at the dinner began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Okay. This is a significant story. It's so significant that it's not only in Luke, what we've just read, but this is also in Matthew 26, and Mark 14. Looking at this woman and just this story and just this act of love has been told three times in the Bible. So that means it's important. And we're going to be looking at this story together, but more specifically in Luke. Um, So Jesus has been invited to Simon the Pharisee's house for dinner. Picture this very civilized scene. You could see Jesus is reclining on the lounger. Everybody must have its own, their own lounger. And you're in a courtyard. You know, it's a dinner party. Everyone's very nicely dressed. There's wine. There's grapes probably being hung over their mouth. Am I picturing Sam's cheese board, maybe? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a very, you know, if you go to someone's house for dinner, it's a very civilized event. It's going to be nice, right? very Instagram, loving the tablescape, you know, everything has its place. Everyone has its place, right? 
And then this woman comes to this place knowing that Jesus is there and all she is doing is crying, weeping, sobbing. She doesn't talk to anyone, but all she does is come to Jesus, behind Jesus, and is crying so much that her tears wash his face, sorry, wash his feet, and she pours an alabaster jar of perfume all over his feet. For context, <laughs> this is probably the size of the jar. This is probably a little bit less liquid than a can of Coke, let's say. And I don't know, you guys use perfume or men's cologne. Once you smash that bottle, that smell is very strong, isn't it? And it's expensive. Um, but this is just to kind of paint the picture of this situation. It's an incredibly awkward scene. It's incredibly uncomfortable for Simon, who is hosting this dinner party. It's like, what, who, who is this woman and where she's coming from? And it's just getting weird, you know? Like, this is not even... This has not been planned. This is not at all how Simon thought his dinner party was going to go. We know that this woman is a sinner because it is said by Simon and Jesus that this woman has committed many sins. We don't know what she's done. We just know that she is a sinner. Simon says to himself, how can Jesus let this woman touch him? She is a sinner. Jesus knows exactly what Simon is thinking and this is his response in verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. And he says, tell me, teacher. Two people, let's read this again from verse 41, owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of them both. Now which will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, that is correct. And then he turned to the woman, and Simon didn't even want to acknowledge this woman because she is deemed too dirty even for someone to touch her, let alone acknowledge her. He said, turn to the woman. So Jesus is acknowledging this woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Of course, she's, of course he sees him. It's like, that's an obvious question, isn't it? He said, but I came into your house you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And maybe we haven't heard any of this before, but to give you a bit of context, the good news is we are all forgiven. Jesus has already died on the cross with and paid with his life for our sins so that we may be saved, so that we may have an eternal life, so that we can believe in him and love him. And it's past tense. It's already done. We do not need to do anything to earn it. We definitely don't deserve it. And yet it is already done. And what really struck me when I read Jesus' response is that if he wanted to, he could count all of our sins. Our sins could be measured in whatever vessel 
whatever weight, unit, monetary value, weight value, it could be counted. But do we know the worth of God's forgiveness over our sins? So this, knowing this, and if we truly understood and knew this, then this is going to dictate our response to God. It will not only transform our relationship to him, but it will, it will also transform our giving, our relationships, how we forgive others, our worship unto him, our serving, our prayers, our lives. I could go on forever. It will transform everything. And I think we all understand if we were treated to a meal... If we went out to a very, you know, three Michelin star fine dining dinner and you went with that person and someone's like, don't worry about it, I got it, you don't even need to pay me back, this is my treat, I love you, this is, enjoy, this is yours. After that, you would not want to just leave and like, oh, that, okay, thanks, bye, you know, that's kind of rude, right? You would be so grateful and in, mind, in your mind, you would remember that and you would at least pay them back, right, with an equivalent meal. Maybe they, can't, they don't want to accept the money, but you would at least want to treat them with another meal like that. You're not going to give them a bowl of cereal next time they come to your house and say, that's, that's that, right? You're going to at least want to give them whatever the equivalent was of that wonderful meal that you ate together. If we all understand this concept, then why is that we think that we can cheat God and treat him any less than he deserves? When we respond to Jesus, are we giving him a worthy response? Simon was not only a Pharisee, but if you read in Matthew 14, you will also see that he is also or was also a leper. And in these times, lepers were also outcasts of society because the disease that they had was highly contagious, and usually they weren't even allowed to live inside the confines of the town. Kind of like, you know, if we were to have COVID, you're going to stay at home. You're not going to be going outside, right? Um, but this Simon, who also was a Pharisee, so that's why he had status. That's why he was allowed to, you know, kind of roam around town, as you could say. Um, but despite this, you know, Jesus called him out. I came to your house. You did not give me any water on my feet. Water, you know, this was kind of like a common uh, practice. Everyone in those days wore sandals. The ground was very dusty. There was no such thing as nice concrete pavements on the ground. So if you're going to go to someone else's house, you want your feet to be cleaned before you lie on your lounger and eat, you know, your cheese and grapes and wine. So... The fact that Jesus called him out for saying, you did not give me any water for my feet. That is just like common courtesy that he expected that. But then this woman, she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. In those days, greeting someone with a kiss was as common as the French kissing each other on the cheek or the Italians. It's very, very common. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman... She didn't kiss my face, but she kissed my feet. She didn't stop kissing my feet. And you did not pour oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Simon thought that 
Maybe kissing Jesus or giving him water was not necessary. He thought, I've given him a dinner. I'm hosting his dinner. I'm busy. Like, look at, look at what I have to do. But, you know, what's, what's our excuse as well? I came to church, so why do I have to go to homes during the week? I'm busy. I've, uh, I've prayed already, so why do I need to come to prayer meeting? I can pray from home, right? I'm busy with work, so maybe I'll wait till I'm not busy to serve. I choose to serve on this Sunday because it's convenient for me and not like the other Sundays. Raising my hands during worship, I'm not feeling it. Sorry, Sam, the choice of songs were not that great this Sunday. You know, it's not me to raise my hands. Praying in front of others, how embarrassing. Why do I need to pray in front of someone else? Why do I need to pray publicly? You know, it's between me and God. It's in my heart, right? Yeah, it's between you and God. But maybe we're living in a world right now where we have the privilege of preferences, choice, and convenience. And can we love God more than those things? Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Let's flip that. Whoever has been forgiven much, loves much. Do we know how much God has forgiven us for? Maybe we haven't murdered anybody. Maybe we haven't cheated anyone out of millions of pounds or dollars. Maybe all we've done is tell a little white lie here and there. I've not done anything wrong, right? Let's look again what Jesus said from verse 41. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which will love him more? I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Yeah, that's right. So some of us think we don't owe God anything. You could argue that. Yeah, I didn't send as much as that lady that's crying there. So why do I need to do all those things? Is it harder for us to love God because there are so many other things in our life that take our attention? There are so many other things in our life that we love more than God. Is God number one or is he number two or five or 15? Are we chasing other things instead of God? Have we even been giving God cheap perfume? When I was a much younger Christian, I used to hear, you know, crazy testimonies from people that have turned their life, you know, from drugs, from being in a gang, from, you know, being a criminal to, whoo, turning to God. And maybe back then I used to think, wow, Imagine what it must, be, it must feel like to have such a transformation in your life. How much more, of course they love God because they, he has saved them from, you know, the really, the, the lowest of the low, like that woman. What more us? What more me? I don't think I look at myself and someone that maybe is in prison and compare and say, well, I don't need to love God less. I can love God less than that person because I guess I'm fine, right?
Do you think it was easy for this woman to respond to Jesus in the way that she did? Being a woman, she had no rank in society. She was an outcast. She was a, a publicly known sinner. She was a nobody. She came into Simon the Pharisee's courtyard and made such a scene in front of not just one person, but everybody there, people that were respected by society. If there was a person, you know, a homeless person to come in today during worship and be crying, and are we going to think that's a bit weird? It is a bit weird, because we're not we're like, oh, maybe it's not so nice. Maybe it's not so comfortable for us. Do you think it was comfortable for her to be so vulnerable in front of Jesus, to be ugly crying? How many people do you ugly cry in front of? Maybe only during camp, getaway? <laughs> Not on a normal Sunday? That's too much, right? No. And not only was she crying, she gave up this alabaster jar of perfume, and not only gave it to him as a gift, she deemed Jesus' feet worthy of all the perfume to be poured on his feet. That jar of perfume, if you translate that to now, that is the equivalent of more than a year's wages. Would you sacrifice a year's wages to God? <laughs> Maybe, you know, the equivalent of that is like a deposit for a house, a property that you've been saving up for. Would you just sacrifice that and give that to God? I don't know if I can do that. And in Matthew and Mark, it's also recorded that the disciples, when they see what she has done with the jar of perfume, they say, why the waste? That money could have been sold and the money given to the poor. But the woman knew that Jesus was worth it. The woman knew that she wasn't just going to give him the jar of perfume. She knew that his feet needed to be washed by her perfume, not because it was just dirty, but because she was worshipping him. She gave him her most valued possession. Not only that, she surrendered her dignity, her fear. There's another story of a woman being stoned to death by Pharisees. There's a high risk that she could have been stoned to death as well that night. Her reliance on money, maybe. If she was a prostitute, and it's not specified what her sin was, then that alabaster jar of perfume was probably part of her income. She probably needed that, you know, to smell nice, to be attractive to the men. That's part of her income. When you look at this, it's not a routine, it's not a religious act. It was very uncomfortable, and it definitely wasn't convenient. It was a pure act of love, and it was a response, a right response, because Jesus is worthy. And what is so ironic about this story is that at the end of it, if we read you know, we read the response of the woman and what she's done and what she's given to Jesus. But then if you also read in Matthew 26 and Mark 14, 
we also read that Judas, one of Jesus' disciples, who has been with Jesus every day in the three years of Jesus' public ministry. Maybe that's the best Bible school, would you say, that he went to? Went on to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I think some of us think we're safe because, you know, we haven't done anything that wrong. We're serving already, right? We're, we've come to church. We're doing what we think is right. But maybe there are things that we need to surrender every day. Maybe what was comfortable, what was uncomfortable to give Jesus today is comfortable for you, for you to give to Jesus next week. You know, every Every time there's like a little, your comfort zone will can close a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. You know, somehow chairing for the first time today. Maybe a year ago he was like, no, never. But today he can do it. What's going to happen next year? Maybe he'll be preaching. <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? With Jesus, it's a journey. It's not a you know, I, I give everything now and then that's it for the rest of my life. It's every day surrendering to him, remembering what he's done for us. And I know that it's not an easy message to maybe receive. It's definitely not an easy message to preach. Sorry, I couldn't give you three points today. Um, but maybe if there is one point that I can say is that I hope that none of us ever lose sight of how precious it is to be loved and forgiven by God. Because we can remember that today. We can say today, yes, that is so powerful, that is so amazing. Wow, amazing. Thank you. I love you, God. Yes, today. Tomorrow we go to work and, oh, something goes wrong and maybe we don't think of God in the same way. It is a daily walk. It is a daily act of coming to God, surrendering to Him, and just giving him our all. And maybe what that looks like today is going to look different next week. That's going to look different next month. I just sense that God is speaking to someone here, and maybe it's one person, maybe it's all of us, but we've held back from God. We've put the distance between us and God because we think that we're not good enough for him. We think that what we have is not pretty enough, it's not nice enough. We think that he won't accept it. God just simply wants us to draw close to him. And he is upset when we put that distance between us and him. I don't, know what it, I don't know what it is that you have done. I don't know what your past has been like. Maybe you've been perfect. Maybe you've not been perfect. But God has forgiven you all the same. And he wants you to come to him, to sit at his feet, and to just surrender everything unto him.
maybe you don't cry, but God wants your tears. And maybe you think that you need to be a certain type of person or a speak a certain way or be able to present yourself in a certain way to be standing in here and serving God in front of people with a mic. But that is not what God is looking for. He's looking at your heart and how you come to Him and how you just worship Him and how you love Him and how you adore Him, how you just want to just surrender everything to Him. I'm just going to pray for everyone here and then after we're going to just pray as a church and for everyone online as well, the salvation call together. Father God, I just want to thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that speaks truth. Thank you that not everything that we give you has to be nice. Not everything that we give you has to be perfect. But Lord, what we give you is because you deserve it. And we don't want to give you anything less. So I just want to pray over everyone here in this room and anyone that is tuning in online. Maybe they're watching this not on a Sunday, but during the week. Lord, wherever they're at, Lord, I pray that you just be with them, that your presence be with them, Lord. That they be able to see you for who you are and see what you've done for them to show them how much you love them, to show them how much you care, because you're not a God of nice things. You're a God of ugly crying. You're a God of reality. You see things for what they are. Lord, we're sorry for all the times that we've tried to just serve you out of convenience. Sorry for all the times that we thought that, okay, you'll understand. Next week, I'll give you more, not today. I don't feel like it. We're sorry. Right now, we just want to come to you today. And I'm sure each and every one of us has their own alabaster jar that they're holding on to. Lord, I pray that we're able to see you for what you're worth because you are worthy. And whether or not we are blessed, but we live a life knowing that we are forgiven by you. And that is, that is the unpayable debt, but you've wiped it out for us. So we thank you and Lord, I pray that we just continue to let this just minister to us even as we leave today. Lord, we just thank you for your, yeah, for just releasing that word. Amen. Let's pray the salvation prayer together. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying. The ultimate, price the ultimate price for my sins, my sins by dying, by dying on, the on the cross for me. For me. I, receive I receive your love, your love 
and forgiveness and forgiveness and eternal life eternal life by faith by faith come into my heart come into my heart and life and be my lord be my lord and my savior my savior fill me fill me with your holy spirit with your holy spirit in jesus name in jesus name amen Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.axchurch.uk. God bless.